This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Ally Akinta continues to have Kevin Lee's number. Dan Hooker takes an unnecessary beating. Dominic Cruz may not fight again until 2020. Heartbreaking. Cain Velasquez may return like Dominic Cruz. Lots of injuries, but he might return against Francis McGannon. Mm -hmm. Crazy. One of the most anticipated cards of the year, UFC 232, is on the horizon. We are joined this week by glory featherweight and lightweight champion Robin Van Roosmalen, who discusses his decision to commit to MMA going forward. Uh, thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. Uh, word of mouth is important. Let's get people listening to this Yeah, thing. I agree. We've got to get on here. Start we, watching. Start listening. I put out that clip of us uh, talking about Mayweather, or sorry, uh, about uh, De La Hoya's lack of uh, MMA knowledge last, yeah. last week. That's fun. Yeah, people yeah. loved it. Yeah, well, I, I kept mean, hearing true. about it. There was um, I was listening and trying to find out more about it. They were saying, "Why are two guys with that, you know, publicity and that status? Why are they going at each other in such minimal ways? You know, like it's just it's weird." So I think it was funny. I heard uh, Brandon Shop talking about how he thinks it's over girls. He's like, "What makes someone go that crazy and that low to have like a a press conference regarding something of, of this nature?" You know, who had a press conference regarding? Um, it? I, he mentioned in the podcast that he had some sort of it must have uh, been De La Hoya. Um, yeah, so I don't yeah. know what it was, but he's saying he's going out with all these, you know, extra lengths in order to kind of prove. Is, you know, Dana wrong or Oscar wrong? I think it's just small. Well, the crazy thing is they're in New York to promote the on-sale for their first ESPN event, and all Dana's talking about but, is Delahoya. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's some <laughs> other hidden underlying beef that they have between each other. I mean, must be, right? I don't know what it is, but I, it's just so small. Although Dana was on Barstool Radio, and he had a good zinger. He said... Uh, because De La Hoya offered to box with Dana White. Yeah, Dana yeah. White goes, I'm 50 years old. It's perfect for his demographic. It's like Chuck and Tito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly oh, the funny. kind of fight he wants to make. I don't know. I don't know why they're going at each other so hard. Like, I mean, it could be friendly. Like, I mean. I think it's mostly Dana. Dana loves having an enemy. He loves having somebody yeah, I like in that. his crosshairs. Yeah. He's done it with Bob Arum in the past. He, he, he loves it. He loves having, uh, like, somebody to focus on in that regard. Yeah, I guess That's so. when he's at his best. He's at his best. As a promoter, and not just with that, but when people get him fired up about something, that's yeah. when Dana gets into kind of vintage Dana mode and, and becomes all animated. And, you know, Dana White, a lot of people don't talk about this. When people talk about the biggest superstars in, in the UFC, Dana White's like number two behind Conor McGregor. Yeah, you would think, yeah, for sure. He's has when to When you be. think about it, right? But it's things, what other CEO do you know that can just come out there and talk so openly as he does None. and, you know, talk to <laughs> his employees the way he does and not for a others? Big company. Yeah. yeah. The other person, maybe Vince McMahon? But Vince McMahon's usually pretty measured when he's out doing know, actual I'd, media. Yeah, I guess when he's doing media, but I heard outside of media, he's. Uh, could be hard to work with. When he's in the demanding. ring and he's cutting promos. Yeah, but that, that kind of, there's a lot of demanding yeah. CEOs that are difficult to work with. Yeah. Uh, Dana, no, I heard, I've heard some crazy Vince McMahon stories. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't know if like he that, would be though. worse, but uh, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right, though. He is the bigger superstar, probably the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. I maybe. think the big ballbusters are probably the matchmakers in the UFC. Yeah. They the, have to they be. They have to get things done. Yeah. And they have to threaten people. They're like the little pit bulls. Yeah. The way they have to get fighters to fight. Like, I mean, if a fighter doesn't want to fight, you're the guy that has to sit there and threaten them with contracts. And, I mean, that's a tough job. Well, apparently, Sean like, oh. Shelby is the, the, is the worst of the two with him and Mick Maynard. He's apparently yeah. the more. But how? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I would love to be the matchmaker. That's a terrible job, I would oh, think. Oh, it's awful. The stress. Are you kidding? Like, you're planning fights probably, you know, a year down the road already. I like, couldn't the think stress. of a worse job. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, it would be the best job to be the matchmaker. I was like, I think it's one of the most stressful 
You're yeah, doing, at every event. You're de- you're, yeah. yeah. You're dealing with fighters who want to fight some people, don't want to fight the others, contract, health. I mean, there's just so many factors. There's that, also scouting and stuff like that, too, right? you got to yeah. find new people to sign. Like, I think let's say somebody hard. falls through a week of. Like, they have to bring in Kyle Nelson. Like, you have to find these guys. Yeah, local talent yeah. and rely on someone. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's easy. I think it's no, terrible. I think it's hard. I think it's one of the most important positions that doesn't get enough credit, I think. Like Joe Silva cashed his stocks and walked away, right? Yeah. He doesn't want any, any, any more of that. Yeah. I, he doesn't, didn't like being a public figure either. These guys don't do interviews, so it's, it's hard to know what's on their mind. But these guys are throwing stuff at the wall all the time. That's why I said I think the Greg Hardy thing was just an oversight with, with Ostevich being on the same card. Yeah. I think they just were like, okay, let's put him on this card, her on this card, him on this card, her, you know. It just gets lost in the mix. They're not thinking about news stories. <laughs> They're yeah, thinking about they think getting their job done. If it's going on the ESPN, right, they want an old football player. It makes yeah. sense why they would. But, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. There's just too many things going on with now Fox being done with Fox and all the changes. I mean, I don't know. I heard all these people saying, why, for a big Fox card, why, would they, why wouldn't they do something better than Iaquinta versus Lee? It's the last Fox card. Do you think they care that it's the last Fox card? Who cares? You're moving yeah. on to like you're a, moving on so, to something else. So you've got Save the, last the better Fox fights card for, in December yeah. and the, the first ESPN card in January. Where are you going to put your best foot forward? Yeah, you want to save it, but I'm going to be honest with you. That Kevin Lee Al fight was probably one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. Oh, the main card as a whole delivered. The, that main card was awesome. Yeah, it was one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. I was into it from you know the first round. Usually it's like oh, I'm bored. Oh, they got on the ground again. Let me just kind of look away. But I was absorbed. Yeah, and they it was a, it was a great fight. You remember last week I said to you, Kevin Lee being a three to one favorite was absurd. Yeah, it was just like if you go skill set uh, skill set for skill set with these guys, Iakins is a better striker in terms yeah. of wrestling. Iakins has got a great wrestling pedigree. Lee's probably a little bit better of an MMA wrestler. Yeah, but it's pretty much a wash. Like Lee wasn't having a lot of success taking Iakins down. Uh, and then you look at grappling. Like Iakint is probably a better grappler than Lee, also, or yeah. at least it's close. So if you're going skill set for skill set, like you might even give Iakint an edge. Yeah, I think uh, the big difference is when you the odds would be Kevin Lee is more of the athlete, the more explosive one, the guy that can close distance better. You know, so I think that's where you really give him that edge. But nothing beats heart. You know, that workman, that fighter mentality, and even here in Al, like he's like he's gonna have to kill me before he he beats me out. That mentality is of. You know, a hungry, you know, I don't care about the next fight where Kevin Lee's already thinking about other fights and promotion. Man, I, I'm i a fan of Al now. He's yeah. definitely got a new uh, fan on board. Looked great on the feet. Oh, yeah. It was the way he even kept his hands down and was drawing him in, slipping, countering well. He was tagging Kevin beautifully, like finding the right punches, like... And the way he was going to the body, listening to Sarah, because you kept hearing Sarah hit the body. So the way he was mixing levels with his shot, the only thing I would love to see is a little bit more kicking from him. Obviously, I'm biased with it. But overall, like, I mean, I just love the more than the skill is his heart. And it it just showed that because everyone thought with his Khabib fight, ah, he was just lucky. Khabib took it easy. Man, we got a we got a top guy. And the fact that he's a. you know, a lightweight that doesn't cut too much weight. He doesn't rely on size. It's just, man, he's got he's an overall package. So I want to see him, you know, get those bigger fights because I liked it. And mm-hmm. talking about bigger fights, and the question is, who should he fight next? Well, people are saying Connor. Yeah, and that brings me to my next topic with with Connors. Are people crazy? Like, do people not understand what the UFC have here with Connor McGregor? They want him to fight Cowboy. They want him to fight Dustin Poirier. 
No, he's not taking these fights. No, like, you got to be delusional to think that Conor McGregor is going to sign up back. to fight uh, like Ally Akinta. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I'm sure Ally Akinta wants that fight, and from a from a meritocracy standpoint and a ranking standpoint, it makes a whole lot of sense. But you're not taking the most important facet into consideration, which is Conor is a transcendent athlete in the sport. Yeah. He's not going to take a tune-up fight. He's no. not. No. If John, he's, if yeah. he's even going to take a fight at all. Like, he might not take yeah, a fight at all. Yeah, I was going to say, keep going about John yeah. there, his coach. John Kavanaugh said, yep. I think we talked about this on last week's show, Kavanaugh saying he doesn't want to coach Conor unless it's the right fight, unless it's like the Khabib rematch yeah. or like a GSP. And I don't blame Kavanaugh because Conor McGregor's not going to come back for a tune-up fight. He's yeah. not going to come back to main event against Ayakinta. He's no. just not. No. And that's not going to main event a pay-per-view. Yeah. And, 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 and to be honest, he knows where he is against Khabib. Like, I mean, it's not a great fight. Yeah. And I mean, and someone was saying, oh, yeah, but you can make 20 million. Apparently, his whiskey is beyond doing yeah. well right now, where he's making more money with proper proper 12 than anything. I mean, he, he's got his investments, right? He doesn't need to come back for 20 million. That's small pennies for him at this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's think about Connor, though. If you're Connor, how many fights, you can probably count them on one hand, are, are worth coming back for yeah. from a promotional standpoint and from like an upside standpoint? Like, Probably GSP would yeah. be one. Um, Khabib rematch would be another. Mm-hmm. Woodley, I'm not even sure is, no. is the juice I would squeeze say there. So. Um, and Ferguson, then, maybe Ferguson, but even that Nate Diaz rematch, like that's yeah. probably another one. That's probably the fight to make. Like if if you want if you want to give him a bounce back spot and you want to give him a, a good payday, and you go with Nate. You yeah. go with Nate. Yeah. I think that's probably the best fight it's to got make. Got the right built in storyline. It'll it'll sell well. Yeah. With, with like, for example, like no offense to Al yet, but he's not that guy to promote and push the the pay per view buys that Connor wants. Is yeah. it a ama- amazing fight as a fan? Yeah, that's the one I, I well, like. Of to course, see. if you're inside the sport, Connor versus a lot of people is a great that's fight. Great, but yeah, the reality. Yeah, the reality is like yeah. you need to make the juice with the squeeze for this guy. He's just not going to come back. It's yeah. like George. George isn't like George versus Woodley would be a fun fight to watch. I'd love to see that fight, but George doesn't want to fight Woodley. He doesn't yeah. care. It's dangerous. It's yeah, well, it's a dangerous fight. He's already proven to be. He's already the he's best. Already got at the welterweight. welterweight. Yeah. yeah, people already consider George the best ever at welterweight. So what's what's there to gain for George? Like yeah. that's why George is waiting on Khabib. Like you know, he can pick his spots. Yeah. yeah, Askren is another one that I think he would find interesting if Askren can get a couple good wins at welterweight. Yeah, I still think he needs those few more wins, right? Askren, I mean, oh, yeah. even yeah, Kobe Covington was saying is like, yeah, like is it a potential fight? Is like I'm not even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. He should earn his stripes, uh, you know, in the welterweight division before calling out the top two. But that's his plan, I guess. He just wants those big fights. Askren, so Askren? Yeah. No, Askren says he'll fight anybody. I know, <laughs> but like, I, <laughs> if you're sitting at the top of the welterweight division, though, you're telling him to to get in line. Yeah, especially yeah, now mean, well, with with you thing. know everyone wanting that welterweight shot. If Askren beats Lawler and Askren is like now top four in the division, like nobody's going to be able to hide from this guy. Yeah, nobody's going to be able to. But use then you the give him it. a Kobe or Usman at that point, right? Yeah, then of you give him. Woodley kind of thing, but again, him well, and Woodley's Woodley not fight are trained. They right? won't fight. They said unless it's a, a 165 title or something. No, they they will not fight each other. Yeah, like it's it's off the table because they train together. They right? Is, Isn't Askren Woodley's wrestling coach? Yeah, they well yeah. they were part they were teammates on Mizzou like the, from, in their college days. Like that's how long their friendship is. Yeah, like, I saw a picture like an old yeah, picture with Chandler team. also. On yeah, 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 yeah. Was he? Quite yeah, the I didn't team. See yeah, Michael Chandler's on that team. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. But. Yeah, they're not going to fight each other. I think what their idea is is if if Askren like wins the interim title ever, they would say Askren wants to to be the one sixty five champion and Woodley the one seventy five champion. Yeah. But the UFC is not going to let those guys call the shots. Yeah. So what's what's the fun for Askren then? Askren, he just wants to go out there and fight. Yeah. I don't think he cares about a title. He want Askren's what Askren has been saying all along is 
everybody had always doubted that he was going to be able to beat the best guys in the UFC. So now he has the opportunity to come in and show. That's why he retired in the first place. He said, there's nothing more for me here at one championship. Like, I'm not going to, there's nothing I can prove here. Yeah. He always wanted to prove that he could beat the best guys in the UFC, and now he has that opportunity, and that's why he's back in it. Well, the best guys would leave, though, and he won't fight them. Well, you know? when I say the best guys, I mean, like, the top the five, top of welterweight. Five. Like, a yeah. lot of people think that thought that he was just a, a wrestling guy that wasn't able to beat these guys. I do love Askren's attitude coming out and calling guys out, and, yeah. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go far with that mentality. Yeah, that's the, the sport now. But what, what's been driving me nuts lately, I mean, with, with the media especially and the interviews— it's one loss with a guy in his career. Automatically, it's like you should go up or down and, and wait. Oh, like, like with mean, Kevin Lee. With Kevin it's Lee, absurd. he shouldn't uh, go it, to it's, it's, uh, it's just on my head now, and and it's just I have to speak it. Mm-hmm. It's bothering me now. It be, with all this weight stuff, one loss. Oh well, you know, you just dominated. You know, five fights in a row. Now it's too light, too heavy. You maybe had a bad night. You something might have been changed in your diet or your camp. But it's stupid how they're forcing guys after one. You know, loss or one missed weight cut that they got to change. You know, it's it's too much of this right now. Well, here here's the thing. Look at the lightweight division. So let's say Lee. Okay, so the, the new rankings are out. Lee is now ranked fifth. So if you're Kevin Lee, would you rather fight Anthony Pettis or Justin Gaethje or James Vick at lightweight, or would you rather move to welterweight and fight Santiago Ponzinibbio? Damian Maya yeah, or Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. I think I'm going to stay at lightweight because Absolutely. Kevin Lee is like 5'9". He's not a tall guy, 5'9". And uh, right away they force him, you know? Yeah. One loss right away. You're at number four in the world. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden one loss, that's it. You have to go to welterweight now. And now he's number five in now. the world. Yeah, and now all of a sudden he has to go to welterweight? I and, don't know. And, it's, and it's the bothering me. are so asinine. Because, it's bothering me. Because somebody has beaten somebody. Like Kevin Lee beat Barboza pretty badly. Barboza has moved down in the rankings now after beating Dan Hooker yeah. because Kevin Lee is now, like, you have to move Kevin Lee down, and then that means by default you have to move Barboza down because Lee's beaten Barboza. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It. I don't know. I guess that kind of makes sense, though. Like, you can't really rank Barboza ahead of Lee because of what Lee did to him this year. Yeah, that's right. True. So I guess it sort of makes sense. Yeah. But Ayakinta is now number four because you can't rank Kevin Lee ahead of Ayakinta. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, moved, he moved up a lot. But Edson Barboza had such a great performance this weekend, so it's weird to weird to think that way. I gotta say, like, I mean, you gotta put him up there as probably one of the best strikers we have in the UFC. Oh, for sure, pound for pound. You gotta do Barboza versus Gaethje next. Yeah. That's what I wrote on Twitter. I got a thousand likes. Yeah, they're, so but they're talking about Ayakinta versus Gaethje, but I like Barboza Gaethje better. Oh yeah. I can just fight Poirier next. And I can just fight up. But what makes Barboza good to me, and not good, like great for the sport, it's he uses his kicks. What makes fighting so spectacular, especially when you have these long, big weapons, no one uses them. They'd rather use this, like, it's going into a fight. All right, you have two knives and two spears. You know, everybody's fighting with the knives. You guys got two spears that you can use. <laughs> they're bigger. They're longer. They do more damage. They hit harder. Use the and spear. Harder to block. Yeah, you can stay longer with it. I mean, there's takedowns, but Barbosa's not scared to get taken down. So that's mm-hmm. why he's so effective with his kicks. I mean, it's different if you're fighting the top of the top and, and you're scared to get taken down. But there's timings for low kicks. There's different ways to do it properly. If you do it stupidly and just throw it out in the open, um, you know, without setting it up or k- taking it on a transition, then there's a problem. But Barboza's doing it right. That was another one where we should have looked at the line and been like, wow, this is a good line. Like yeah. Barboza was even money against uh, Hooker. I think he was even an underdog yeah. in fight time. And then you think about it, it's like, how is Dan Hooker going to beat Barboza? Yeah. I mean, you can always tag Barboza because Barboza has nah. shown to be a bit chinny, but Barboza hasn't been knocked out in a while. Mm-hmm. So 
how is Hooker going to beat him on the feet? Hooker's not going to be able to take him down. He's not an elite wrestler. Barboza could improve slightly with level changing with his kick a little bit. I mean, I think the head kick should have been there. He should have put him out with a head kick really early. After changing levels with the body, hurting the legs, the head was open. So he just had to level change a little bit more, maybe attack the legs. But... You look good, but from a kickboxing perspective, I mean, I, I mean, I'm putting him at the highest standards, and I think he is one of the best in UFC right yeah, now. In terms of stand-up fighters, I think pound just for pound, his ability he's up to there. mix it. I loved it. I love that he can use his kicks effectively in, in UFC, and that's mm-hmm. where you know my goal as a coach is. I want to show that the kick is an effective weapon in this game, minus the takedown. Who are some of the others in the UFC that you think use kicks particularly well? Well, I always liked Anderson, the way he mixed it up well, especially that front kick that he, he brought in well. Um, Zabit, you got to think Zabit's really good. Um, there's a few other good kickboxers. I can't think of the name that um, that uses the low kick really Dukenwa good. Dukenwa is one of the guys. Dukenwa, yes, that's one of the yeah. guys. You, you actually told me to look at him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, he, he shoots, he throws the, the low kick from like close range, yeah, which yeah. is rare. Like yeah. there aren't a Gage lot of people is a good low like kicker, that. but yeah. he needs to use a little bit more movement, distance control. His but striking defense isn't great. Yeah, I know. He, but, he'll take one to give one, though. Like he'll take, he'll take a punch to the head to throw a good low yeah. kick. And I got to tell you, I was impressed with Rob Font and his, and his jab. That's the type of jab that I've been calling out for MMA in a long time. The way he used that was just dead on. I've been calling that type of jab for years to see in MMA. It's a little, it's a lot of like a, a, a boxing style jab because he throws it so differently, so time. But a nice added low kick to off that jab, then that's where you get that difference with Font. So well, give him a call. I am. I'm gonna message him. <laughs> I got his number, so I'm gonna just shoot him a so message. So what, what made his jab different from most other jabs in, in MMA? It's the way he threw it. He didn't throw it at one direction all the time. The way his lead hand, like sometimes he would throw it from up top. Sometimes he'd throw it from a low line where you can't really see it well. Sometimes he'll just probe it. Sometimes he puts it as a stiff jab. So you never know his distance because he shoots it and throws it in so many different ways. So he's like a Swiss Army knife, basically. Like he yeah, has, like so many different ways. ways. Yeah. You've got to throw it at different angles. There's a straight jab. Then you got an up jab. Then you can throw your jab with your head off center line. Then you can throw a jab to the body. Then you can throw it as a double. Then you throw it as a spear. So when you mix up different techniques with the jab that way, guys have no idea how to block him. And with a four-ounce MMA glove, just so effective. And yeah, I mean, if you have no way to defend it, like even though you know Pettis is one of the best strikers that we've seen in MMA as well, with with Duke as his coach, you can't block those. The timing, the the way he throws it, the way you got to beat that jab is stay longer and use your kicks. Which I mean, Sergio had a hard time doing that. Well, because Sergio's a flyweight. Yeah, I mean, Sergio, like kicks are easier to use when you've got somebody the same size as you. When you've got a size disadvantage, the reach just isn't there, right? Yeah. I mean, but that's why, though. The reach is there, and you have your longest weapon. It would be your leg. So you could match the length of a jab with the match of your leg. So for me, for example... people at the end of the, of if the strike, I fought, you? If I fought a heavier guy, the first thing I would... The only thing I would do is low kick. I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit there and punch range and take a chance of getting knocked out, especially with an MMA glove. I would fight a heavyweight, no problem. The way I would have to do it is with movement. I would have to hit and then run out, escape again circle hit run out escape or pull him in stay at the end of his punch i think the low kick is actually a better weapon if you're the smaller guy you know versus someone who jabs so i mean the low kick's got to be played like use a calf kick use something to get him to stop being able to commit with the jab so you got to hit the calf kick hit the low kick front kicks is a long weapon you got to change up your weapons. You got to be able to use your kicks in in all MMA fighting. You have to be able to use your kicks versus someone's punches. That's kickboxing 101. And I don't see it enough, but no. Yeah, font well, font like you said, unanimous decision. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It was incredible, mm-hmm. you know yeah, what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Yeah.
But, That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to rewatch that fight and, uh, yeah. with what you just mentioned. Yeah. Because I always like seeing these kind of little int- intricacies uh, that other people aren't using. You, you mentioned that you thought Bobby Green got robbed. Yeah, definitely. He was, the, he was, he was out. He was winning. He was winning in all aspects of the game. I don't mm-hmm. know how I saw it, um, how they gave it. I think he um, definitely, I think I gave him two out of the three for sure. Yeah, me too. For I think sure, there was one easily. round close I had a good Yeah, I don't remember which round. one was close, but still. I think one of the judges didn't have it 30-27. No, it was 29-28 across the Across board. all three? Yeah. And yeah. that Jared Gordon fight was tough to watch because Gordon was up two rounds. Yeah, and I didn't get to see it in, in the detail that I would like to, yeah. but uh, yeah, he was yeah. one of my he was one of my picks last week. Yeah, who did I, you have? You had Pettis and someone else. I had I uh, Pettis and Green. Oh yeah, that's there why I was watching that Bobby yeah. Green closely, and I was upset because mm-hmm. I watched it on um, PVR. I watched it late, so then I was like, oh. once I saw that, I was like, yeah, I don't care about the Pettis one now. Mm-hmm. At that point, I, I I was like, I want Rob to win. I already lost, so I was like. Arr. Yeah, but, uh, that was a that was a fun card. Yeah, I, liked I mean it. Charles Oliveira won without throwing a single strike. Yeah, That's always fun. Very easy. Font great. Barboza great. Iaquinta great. Charles Oliveira such a stud. Yeah, he there was another it. fight that I saw. In, uh, I'm trying to think who it was um, on the undercard that was a great fight. Um, I mean, it wasn't Otto versus Grant. That's for sure. No. Did you watch Juan Adams? Did you get a chance to watch him? Uh, no, I didn't think I saw that one. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a really good fight for him in terms of learning. I, f- I felt like he's used to finishing guys in the first round. Chris Del Roca is a very, very durable guy. And Adams was able to um, take some, you know, took some hits. He was able to, his cardio was tested. Um, he did look like he was slowing down, but he was able to just kind of be resilient and get that win. So I think that's a good learning experience for him. Uh, this is uh, who you're saying, Gordon? Yeah, Jared yeah. Gordon. And Oh, no, sorry, I'm Juan Adams is who I'm talking about. Juan now. Adams. Yeah. That was in the, the early prelim. The first fight, fight yeah. That was the first fight. fight on the yeah, I'm just trying to think which fight I saw that I was really into. Um, was it Mike Rodriguez looked pretty good? He looked good, yeah. That was a, that was a first-round finish. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think who was it was. Was it Hermanson? Maybe Hermanson was dominating Mearshart. And then he ended up losing. Yes, I think it was no, no, the Hermanson the, No, the one fight, where he ended up it? losing was Jared Gordon. That was Joaquin Silva and Jared Gordon. That was the fight of the night. Uh, Maybe that's the one you were thinking of. Yes, probably. Yeah. I can't think of it now. You're bad at remembering names. Or no, terrible with names. Yeah. Terrible with names. Robin Black's the same way. Can't remember. You can't remember names? names? Yeah. No, I can't. Honestly, faces, 100% names, I'm terrible. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a face guy. I can't do names. If you, You'll you introduce yourself. The next time I see you, I yeah. totally Hey, lost. buddy, what's up? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll remember you forever in my Are, are you my like eyes? me where it gets to a point where you've met the person enough times where you can't ask what their name is? Yeah. Oh, and you have to kind of do some recon my, my and whole, find out. My whole glory, <laughs> my whole gym. You got to think with my gym and all the members. I can't remember everybody's name and then all the fighters' names I study and who they fought. Like, I honestly, I think it's hilarious, but I think my brain's at capacity with names. <laughs> I just can't get it. I you have such a hard time. That's a, you got to remember that for your business. You yeah. got to remember their names. I try. So I sit at the front with my gym manager and I just try to go through it. I just, I struggle, man. Do they have pass cards or anything with their no, faces no, on them? No, no, That's what they had where I was where I So was they training. can see it. I don't well, know. it's just like, I'm sure you can go through it every day and look Same at it. Same thing with know. Glory. You go to a Glory event from the TV camera guys, the production guys, the, you know, oh, I just, it's too many people. I can't remember anyone's name. It's bad. It's one of the things I try working on. I, I. I, then I, I go through all those exercises of, okay, <laughs> think of something that reminds you. I go through it, say it in my head, practice saying it, and then the next time I see them, I forget. Jeez, that's, yeah. uh, that's difficult. Yeah, whatever. I'm good at memory with other things, but not names. <laughs> Sorry, people. All right, so um, what else do we have to talk about today? So Dominic Cruz is on the MMA, uh, oh, sorry, the Ariel Hawani MMA show. 
That's what it's called. Yeah, Ariel Hawani's Ariel Hawani's MMA show. Yeah, yeah. It's hard because there's so many different yeah, so many different MMA now. shows. There's the Joe J R E MMA show, the T S N MMA show. Yeah, that's Ariel the most Hawani's important one. Uh, so Cruz may not fight again until 2020. Bad injury. Yeah, I heard. might be out for the year. That's tough. Yeah, shoulder this time. Yeah. How um, old is Dominic Cruz now? I think he's 33. Oh, that's not that old. It's my age. He's 33. Yeah. 1985? He's just been around for such a long time. You yeah, think he that thinks he's like that he's older. And especially with all the injuries. Yeah. But he made a, a, a great point on that interview, and he was saying, he's like, what's going to make my legacy is not really like the fights, but the fact that he did all of these fights with the injuries that he has. So he's really putting uh, this whole thing on his legacy on how he did such a great he had, you know, had such a great career with all these injuries and all the problems. Well, I mentioned um, that when the Fox deal started, that five of the six champions might be the best ever in their division. It was like Aldo, Cruz, Edgar was lightweight. He's, I don't think he's the best lightweight ever. But then uh, welterweight was George, middleweight Silva, light heavyweight Jones, and heavyweight was Kane. Yeah. And you could argue that five of those six are the best ever in their divisions. Uh, and someone was going back and forth, forth with me on bantamweight. They said that they thought Dillashaw was the best bantamweight ever. And I, do, I don't even think it's a conversation. Like, I think Cruz is Cruz still, for yeah. sure the best bantamweight ever. Yeah. If you, I, if you as watched now, him in yes, his prime, I would, I would like, say so. he was unbelievable. Nobody could touch the guy. Yeah, yeah. And he, he does have that one lot. People said, oh, well, I thought TJ won that fight against him. That was a close fight. Yeah. I mean, sure, no, I agree you with say you. that's either way. But, but that he, was still a, I think that was still a unit. That was a split decision against Dillashaw. But you, as quick um, detour, you think heavyweight, you put Kane as number one still? Maybe. Over, I, I say over there's a, I'd say there's an argument to be made. Yeah. I don't know if I would for sure put him over Stipe. But you also remember, have to remember how good Kane was in his prime. Yeah. Like Kane was the beatings he put on people. The one against JDS particularly. The beatings he Whoa. put on people was ridiculous. Yeah, the pressure. I mean, his is, I don't know. But the, the fight with Nagano, woo. That's going to be a barn yeah. burner. Yeah. So that's the first ESPN uh, linear card on on television in Arizona. Velasquez versus Nagano. I mean, Velasquez will be basically have the home court advantage. He was an Arizona State guy. So uh, I I don't know, man. I don't think this is going to end well for for Kane. Yeah, for Kane. Yeah, you think Nagano's? I mean, Kane. Kane's a better wrestler than Stipe. So if Kane is able to implement the wrestling game against Francis, he might be able to beat him. But yeah, if, well, if this is on the feet for even a little bit, one like, punch oof. power changes things. Well, it's not just one punch power, but Kane hasn't dealt with this new kind of breed of heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, who's the Kane's last win was over Travis Brown? Yeah, yeah, and which was I think three and a half years Something ago. Like that. Something I think it was UFC two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's not used to fighting these these new guys, that kind of power is that I don't know if he's faced anybody with that kind of power yeah. before. Yeah, but, but it's something where once you fight one guy with power, it's it's same kind of strategy. I don't think he's worried about that. I guess we'll see. But I mean, like it's just him trying to shoot in. But I think I don't know. I think Francis, once you fight a, a full complete mixed martial artist, it's it's a different game. Like I mean, you always fight guys with a lot of power. The whole thing is, and, and you're a heavyweight. All the guys have power. Whether he hits you with, you know, a thousand times more force, you're going to get knocked out anyway. Yeah, so, true. you know, I mean, power is power. I think, you know, being a heavyweight and Kane's had to. When he fought, you know, JDS, same kind of thing. He had power. He was able to even set it up better than someone like Nagano. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's I don't interesting. I love, I love the stylistic matchup, though. I always love a, a guy with good striking versus someone who's got to take him down. Yeah, well, I love looking, it. looking at his resume, there's nobody that he's fought that's as good a striker, like as as strong a striker as again. I mean, there aren't that many ever really at heavyweight. But if you go from top to bottom, you got Travis Brown, who's not really a one a one punch guy. Fabricio, who 
who tagged him and finished him, but I mean, he's he's nowhere near the power of Francis. JDS, who's more of a death by a thousand paper cuts type guy, lots of lots yeah, of strikes in order to get you out. I mean, he, he did one punch knockout Kane back on the first Fox card. Um, Bigfoot Silva's a, a, a tough. He he's got crazy power, but he's yeah. slow. Old school, yeah. He's power. just slow. Maybe in the olden days, but yeah. uh, JDS again, three three matchups with JDS. Um, and then you got Brock, who's wasn't really a one punch knockout guy either, more more wrestling based. And then you've got uh, Big Nog again, not not really Rothwell, not really. Yeah. So I mean, this is gonna be a different task. Yeah. For an older Kane, who's probably not gonna have the same speed, the same instincts. I wonder how much they're paying him too. Yeah, they're gonna have to. Hopefully, they're yeah. him. hopefully they're paying yeah. him a lot because this might be his last fight ever. Yeah, yeah. I don't not know. Be- it's not because he's older; it's just because of his injuries. But like, would you say, like we talk about Nagano, would you say he has great striking, or does he have yeah, great I do. power? I think he's got great striking. Great striking and great power is different, right? Yeah. Well, he's got great power and great striking. I think. Yeah. I think if you can neutralize the striking, you can do it. But there's only been one guy that's been able to do that. Yeah. And I just don't think against Derek Lewis, he was the same guy. I don't think. He, I think he was just yeah. too timid. I think I need to see more from him on his feet to call him a good striker. To be honest with you. Yeah, maybe. Like I need to see him like instead of sitting there lugging in, in one big punch power. Like if if I saw him pump a jab and then throw it. Then you got a good striker versus a power puncher, you know? If you jab, 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 and then boom, you mix a good uppercut, you set up the power, that makes you a better fighter kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't know. Have we seen him kick much? Have we seen Nagano kick? No, or does not he not really. want to? He doesn't to? throw a lot of kicks. Just base his power. And, yeah, yeah. Just, just power punches. Just ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's pretty unreal. Um, so we did our picks uh, last week, and... Um, we uh we both lost. Yeah, we got. I I had to get carried away. I was just making picks to catch. So yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we preview UFC 232 and take a look at it, and um, and uh, just uh, maybe un- some underdog pops up. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's Jones versus Gustafson, and I was on a show. Um, I was on the Slip and Dip podcast with uh two of my friends, Kendrick Johnson, and um Matt Matt Wells, two good guys that uh, cover the sport. And they were saying that it was basically a foregone conclusion that Jones wins. And I think that that's asinine. I think that Gustafson has a shot of winning this fight. Yeah, I, I still couldn't believe um, when you called me out on Jones being the one who fought last. Yeah, Jones fought more yeah, recently than Gustafson. More recently than Gustafson. That totally threw me off. That like my timeline is totally off based on media and the perception, plus all the court cases. and Yeah, totally. But Well, here's the thing. If you think about cage rust, do you, first off, do you believe in cage rust? Do you believe it's a, it's a thing that some I think, that all people suffer from, or some people suffer from? I think you have to say it's there in in a way of timing. I feel, but I feel if your camp is good, you can go in with less ring rust than a camp who doesn't have the the ability to train that. Like you can train your eyes, you can train it through different drills, and you know you you might have to get some hard sparring in this camp more than you usually would just to prepare for it. But I mean, I think there's ways to do it, but I do believe in it. I mean, but of the two of them, who's shown cage rust? Jones. Jones yeah, against OSP. When he OSP. came back against OSP, yeah. So yeah. if there's any sort of case that one of them has cage rust, it's probably Jones. Um, and then you look at uh, the last fights that Gustafson had. He picked apart Blokovic, wrestled him, beat him up on, on the ground, and Blokovic is more of a wrestling-based fighter. And then you look at the Glover fight. He absolutely dominated Glover for five rounds. Glover's a hell of a fighter. Um, so... This is one of those situations where I'm not writing off Gustafson. I mean, Jones no, Jones not. has had difficulty with one opponent, and it's Gustafson. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the same same kind of size, same frame. And they're almost both in their prime when they fought that time, too, yeah. right? And Jones says he was partying for that whole camp and wasn't really working hard. 
But that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to show up on fight night, right? Yeah. Like he did it in all his other fights, and yeah, that's kind exactly. of that's what he was used to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So now now if he's not doing that, it might honestly it might affect him more that he's not with some psychological based fighters. Maybe like I don't know if he's ever come out and said it, but maybe he was partying because if he lost, and he always had an excuse, being like I partied after, or he created an exit um, for himself. But mm-hmm. there's I'll no say, excuse. I'll say this: if Gustafson can get to around a three to one. I think that's great value. Yeah, just because based on what we've seen of these two guys fighting before, uh, I think Gustafson is, you know, the third best guy in the division. You might even put him up there with Cormier. Yeah. In terms of even all time in the division, um, I mean, maybe you don't want to write off some guys that have been champions before, but you, Gustafson is almost like you know when the the Jordan Bulls were beating everybody, like John Jones is like the Michael Jordan of that division. Yeah. And there were yeah. so many other great players. But none of them were able to get a championship because Jordan was in the way. Gustafson's the type of guy that I think could have been champion, no problem, if there was no John Jones. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm he had just a split looking decision at his with Cormier. Yeah, split with Cormier. He got knocked out by Johnson. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he got been knocked out badly by yeah. Johnson. But but, uh, uh, but yeah. that's what happens. You get caught. Yeah, and he lost. You know in, what I mean? But his, his losses against the top two, we're saying DC and Jones. You know. Yeah, and then of course you look at. Gustafson, you think, well, who's his best win? And that's the other thing. He doesn't have a—I mean, he beat Shogun in 2012, which is a very good win, but uh, and beat Glover, but not really a ton of tough opponents that he's But also, he's you got to look at the division as a whole. There's not really many big star names right. outside of the top two, three. And then right? if you look at Jones and Cormier and, and the, the kind of nightmares he gave both those guys, yeah. you still have to— yeah. like, no, You can't you just look at wins not. and losses, definitely right? Definitely not. You can't write them off. Yeah, so, and the way he performs on the biggest fights is what i got to look at. Yeah. And then the, they also— on the show said that they thought that Cyborg was going to run through Nunez, and as we've discussed on the show previously, yeah. I completely disagree with I that. I totally disagree as well. So that's going to be, like, this is the card I think is the has the best competition at the two top fights, the main and co-main of this year. I don't think that there have been two better fights at the top of a card in 2018. Yeah. No, I agree. Especially with the hype around Jones and Cyborg, like, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah, and the rest of the fights on the card are... Uh, are really like there's a lot of interesting fights. I don't think there's a lot of big name fights. Well, Kiesa and Condit's a de- decent fight. I guess it's Kiesa's first time. First time in welterweight, yeah. Condit's dangerous, but Condit is always I dangerous. I think Kiesa's, that's, uh, that's another Jits line. and wrestling might be too much, though. Yeah, the wrestling is the tough one with Condit. And what's the odds on that? Condit's uh, plus, one plus 160. Yeah. That's one I would just stay away from. I want to see what Kiesa can do at 170. Before yeah, yeah, it's I, too I dive, jump into that pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Latifi versus Anderson's a good one too. I actually like Anderson in that fight. Um, I think Anderson's shown a ton of improvement over the, over the last year, and a lot with his wrestling too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's always been a good wrestler, but it's more. Uh, I think it's more his head movement, his ability to to get out of the way of the big punches that had and caught him utilize, previously, yeah. and then utilize the wrestling and change yeah. levels and and mix the striking in with the wrestling. But uh, that's another one that's kind of a stay away for me. Yeah, and the TV's always been really highly ranked, in my opinion. For like for someone who doesn't make a lot of noise when he fights, mm-hmm. I don't know. I find that he got a lot of um, not a good tension. But he's I a mean, dangerous opponent. I mean, you got his last two wins were OSP and you know Tyson Pedro. Mm-hmm. But he stays under the radar in, in my mind for some reason. Latifi? Yeah, yeah. You never have, have you never hear him you know dominate with you know high. Cards, but his OSP fight was performance of the night, but still didn't, you know, it's a name that doesn't, if you ask me to name some of the top five, he's not one of them for some reason. In the in the light heavyweight division? Yeah. Well, right now, there's not a whole lot to choose from. I mean, where, does he, where is he ranked right now? He's, current. he's fifth. Is he fifth? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But, I mean, if you did Uzdemir versus Latifi, probably would favor Uzdemir. 
Yeah. And if you did Reyes versus Latifi, you'd for sure favor Reyes. Yeah. <laughs> Reyes yeah. to me is Reyes a top is five a... light heavyweight. He's on a tear. Yeah, he's he was at the Performance Institute. Didn't get he? to talk to he's him. He's a good but, dude. Uh, he's a nice guy. Yeah, heard good things. Very about intense. Him. Used to be a safety in football. And when you look at his size, that's pretty uh, unbelievable. He was like a six foot two cornerback safety hybrid. Yeah, it's huge. With crazy athleticism for that that size. You've got to have that if you're gonna be a safety in the division one level. He would try it out for NFL teams, like yeah, like that crazy athlete. Level. And then you you think about him at light heavyweight, that's a dangerous man. Um, we have uh, Volkanovski undefeated against Chad Mendez. That's that's going to be an interesting one. That's going to that might be the next t- title challenger. Really, the winner of that fight against uh, against Holloway. Even Volkanovski being ranked tenth, I think so. Eighteen and one well, record. Because look at featherweight. If you if you go up and down the featherweight division, Holloway has wins over almost every guy there. I mean. The the only guys that I think Holloway might be in front of Mendez or Volkanovski are Edgar and Moicano. Uh, and Moicano is fighting Aldo. So if Aldo beats Moicano, now suddenly that opens up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because Moicano's on track for the title shot, right? And having Volkanovski rank below Emmett is insane. Like, I don't know how they come up with that. <laughs> yeah. Even Emmett, below, Emmett even just below had Cub. the one fight, really, right? Yeah, he had that one big win over Lamas where, yeah. where he didn't even make weight for that fight. Yeah, and he was out. And then he got who did he fight after Lamas? Uh, Stevens, I believe. And he lost. And he right? lost to Stevens. Did you hear who Stevens fighting? Yeah, it's a beat. Oh, yeah, I saw that today. That's fire. That's me rubbing my hands together right there. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna I got be at that. I'm gonna be at that event. Yeah, I just Vegas. got goosebumps. That's that's a that's a great fight. That is a great fight. Jeremy Stevens is a real man. Yeah, yeah. To take that that's fight, that's gonna come forward, and that's how you have to beat to beat by coming forward. So that's like stylistically. It's the fight that you got to make. It's just perfect. Once I, I didn't even think about it, but now that I saw it, I was like, Jeremy Stevens on the phone. You want to yeah. give that guy some strategy? There you go. But Zabit's good, man. Zabit's good. Too good. His trickiness. So, like, even a, a good strategy of pressure is going to be hard because he's always moving and angling and switching stances. Well, the reason why I say Jeremy Stevens is a real man is like, if I'm in the top seven, I'm not taking that fight. Yeah, like yeah. that's just like that's my ranking well, waiting to go right down. away. I, if it's a, it, it'll be a, probably a three rounder wherever yeah, it is. It'll be I don't remember. It's in Vegas. Well, first round you gives a beat right away, and then if anything, you got to give Jeremy round two close. Round three is probably where Jeremy's got to go. Well, if there's anybody that's going to test that chin, it's Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. He hits like a he hits like a truck at featherweight. Yeah, and we saw it with pressure in the beat. He can he can crack under pressure. Like uh, what was the the, uh, the guy who fought Boston yeah. who just lost to. Um, uh, Hakeem Duwadu, yeah. right? So I mean, look yeah. at you remembering the names. I know, see, a little bit better. <laughs> I just know Hakeem because I've been following his yeah. career with kickboxing. Yeah. So Duwadu, I know, but uh, yeah, I'm getting better. So what else do we got on that card? So we got uh, Arlovsky versus Walt Harris. That's uh, I don't. I mean, I think Walt Harris will win based on sheer athleticism, and Arlovsky being a little bit old. But Arlovsky's shown that he still has. Stuff in the tank, like he's still able to beat some of these lower level guys, and yeah, Walt Harris is a lower level guy. What about um, the BJ Penn Ryan Hall? See, the odds on that one are interesting to me because I don't think Hall's going to be able to finish BJ Penn, and BJ Penn's like an elite grappler, and that's all Hall is in, is an elite grappler. Yeah. So that's one of those ones where you look at it and it's like maybe maybe it's worth a flyer on BJ Penn. Yeah. If it's just going to be a strictly a grappling match, I don't yeah, know. We'll see. But uh, Ryan Hall probably should win that fight. But uh, Hall has a pretty long layoff as, as well. Like, I think yeah, it's a two-year yeah. layoff. Then there's Uriah Hall. Could be. Uh, well, Bavon Lewis is a stud. Like, is this he? is a, he's a newcomer he's to the UFC. He's only 5-0, and o, right? He's 5-0, and o, but a lot of people think this guy could be like the next John Jones. Like He's one of these elite prospects, and they're throwing him right into the deep end against Uriah Hall. I thought Uriah Hall, from what I remember, got KO'd pretty bad in his last fight. He did. And I didn't wasn't sure if he was I think coming back. Paulo Costa, if I remember. Um, let me look right now. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's uh Because looking at his record, he is one in the last five. One win in his last yeah. five fights. But I think he's still is he still ranked? Like he's, yeah, 15. he's still ranked fourteenth. Yeah. So if you if you look at him, um, and then you you put Bavon Lewis in the position to succeed. Now Bavon Lewis moves up quickly. And I think this is a guy that they really want to give a push to. Yeah. Well, I saw your eye again. He so was close. also at the, the Performance Institute. Yeah, he never got to lot. talk to him. Yeah, he, but he was there quite a bit. And I wasn't sure. Like, I thought after his last fight, I, I thought the knockout was bad enough where he was out of the game. So yeah. good that he's recovered and back. Yeah, he's back in it. But, you know, one in the last four is tough. A lot of pressure against this young guy. Yeah, and this uh, sure. this uh, Bevin Lewis, yeah, he's striking based. Yeah, Bevin Lewis, he's just a well-rounded. He's one of these young kind of hybrids that's good at everything. And he's uh, he trains at Jackson's. He kind of looks like Rashad Evans. Yeah, he's got just big, big uh, upside for him. Yeah. Um, also, Peter Yan is on the card. He's he's fun to watch at uh, bantamweight. He's he's a killer. But he's got a tough opponent. Sofit Andrade is no joke. He's a good fighter. Yeah, and he that's why ripped. the odds aren't that long. Oh yeah, Peter Yan is ripped. Yeah. Even uh, his opponent, Douglas. Yeah, uh, the Andrade is also ripped. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah, I'm just looking at his UFC big frames. Uh, picture here. Yeah. Dang. Um, that's going to be a fun one. I, l- I always love watching Peter Yan fight. And What, uh, what about uh, Millinder? Millinder against Bahar Dezada. That's a good one because Bahar Dezada can crack. And, yeah, uh, just trying to, but yeah. Millinder, if he can use the range, and he's, he's shown this is where Millinder has gotten better and better. Is he's just gotten way better using that long range. and he's got, uh, he's got big, big reach. For the division. Yeah, for some and reason... Bardazana is uh, very small for the division, too. The Say- Sayar, is it? Yeah. He reminds me, for some reason, of a Gokensaki style. You he know is. What very I mean? similar, yeah. Looks like him a little bit. Come forward. He's got his whole, like... Because um, Saki's got the whole Turkish community that mm-hmm. really follow him. And I and I think Sayar has the whole Afghani community, yeah. is it? That just really is follow it, him. And he's got a yeah, huge, huge following. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's got a huge, huge following. And even at one point, wasn't he almost... Pushing a title, like he's—I uh, don't know if he was got quite there, but he was but beating he was, a lot of tough names. He was beating a lot of tough yeah. names, and I remember him on his last interview, really calling for title shots and stuff. I, I thought it was crazy, but still, re- totally reminded me of Golkin Saki. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun one. Um, Millinder opened as a pretty big favorite, and a lot of money came in on on Bahar Dezada. I'm interested to see where that line goes. And then the debut of Nathaniel Wood—I think it's his debut from uh, the Cage Warrior, former Cage Warriors champion. I'm gonna look it up. I. Did he has he fought once already? I can't remember. He's from England. Yeah, he he last 14 fought and three. Yeah, sorry, he fought Johnny Eduardo and won. He beat Johnny Eduardo in his UFC debut. So uh, he's he's a tough uh, a tough kid from uh, from the UK that uh, I think has a, has really good upside as well. I'm I'm surprised at this line. I thought that uh, he'd be a bigger favorite against Andre Yule. Andre Yule came in and uh, on short notice and beat Henan Brow, but beating Henan Brow right now is like yeah, the name <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. I don't sure. know how that. The change in that is that a, a USADA change that we saw in Burrell? You know what I mean? Like, how did he go from like? I'm not, not going to say anything about that. Like, how do you go from being such fingers. a dominant champion, and then all of a sudden, like, you you're not beating Andre Ewell? You know, it could be anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. It just seems to align timing-wise with what yeah. you said, but I'm not going to point any fingers. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, like, helping Mitch Gagnon prepare for that. We're like, and even when Mitch fought him, the first thing Mitch said was, like, that's a different man in there. Like, I just knew he was just strong. He's yeah. never felt anyone so big and strong in his life at that weight class. So, yeah. 
Doesn't seem that way anymore for some reason, Joe. <laughs> no, yeah. Who maybe knows? he's maybe he's just been not been eating well. And what's what this I've been hearing about? I don't know who it was related to, but um, is it? I think it was John Jones. They want him to use va- uh, Wada as well. V- Vada, yeah. Is it Vada or Wada? Vada. There's Wada and Vada. Wada is the world, world anti doping, and yeah. Vada's volunteer. Okay, volunteer I didn't know what the difference. That's what George George St. Pierre wanted his opponents to do. Vada, te- like he had mentioned recently on Luke Thomas's show that he was offered Anderson Silva twice when he was champion, and he wanted it to be a catch weight somewhere between 170 and 185, and he wanted Vada, and, he wanted Vada, and yeah. it never came. I've together. never heard of Vada. Yeah, it's, it's and, the voluntary antidote. You yeah. got me listening to podcasts on one point five and two speed. Yeah. So now when they say things fast, I don't know if it was water or vada. <laughs> so I was just yeah. Yeah. So that'll be. Uh, but who was that? That was in relation to John Jones. Yeah, and I remember. Um, George, who wanted George Gustafson? Wanted, George wanted vada testing for Johnny Hendricks as well when they when they were fighting. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that never for I think I don't think that came together. There was some sort of issue that happened. Where, but is it Gustafson's camp wanting it or is it no, just it's the commission? The, the, the California commission. commission. And the California commission also said something pretty bold. They said we wish we wouldn't have given jurisdiction to Usada and that we would have been able to levy the penalty against Jones. Yeah. So Basically undermining saying, Usada and yeah. saying that it was too too it was too lenient. Yeah, lenient. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. All right. You have any picks for 232? We're we're in the uh, we're sprinting to the finish right now. You're at eighty one dollars and seventy five cents from your hundred at the beginning of the year. I'm at one hundred and thirty and fifty five cents. So uh, let's have mm. at it. All right, I'll let you go first because this I have to look quickly. I thought we were done with our picks. No, this is the last one. This is the last oh, one of the year, and yeah. uh, I'm going out with a bang. Who are you going with? All right, I'm going to do a a deep parlay. Okay. Um, let me see. There was a fourth piece that I was looking at here. So I'm going to go with a four-leg parlay to, to end the year for fun. Jeez. All right. Curtis Millinder at minus 155, Bavon Lewis at plus 100, Peter Yan at minus 270, and Nathaniel Wood at minus 125. It's a plus 712 parlay. So there you go. $70 if it comes through. Ooh, this is going to be a tough one. You can use any one of those legs, but you have yeah, a lot yeah. of catching up to do. You've got to throw together a big parlay if you want to beat me. I know. Me. I'm trying to find some uh, you might have to like some parlay underdogs. Nunez and uh, I know. Nunez, a and Nunez Gustafson party will get you right into the will get you right into the mix. Well, I think that the first underdog I'll take is um, Corey Anderson. All right, Corey Anderson. Uh, yeah, we discussed that. That's, yeah, uh, that's I'll take Corey Anderson with a no. I like Mendez in that fight. Uh, maybe I pick just some of the favorites yeah, too. Yeah, you can do that too. Yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, I'm just gonna keep picking off then. I'll yeah. pick five fights. All right, let's go. Uh, let's <laughs> do it all. If you're gonna do it, yeah. I'll take an underdog in. Um, I'm gonna take Kiesa. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna take Kiesa. He's not an underdog. He's a no, favorite, he's a but I'm gonna take Kiesa, Corey Anderson, Chad Mendez. Okay. I like. Let's go, Kat Zingano. And uh, let's make another one more underdog. Let's go. Uh, Throw BJ Penn into the mix, then you'll really. Yeah, be that's it. I don't. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. And let's go with um, Golkinsaki twin there, Sayer. Right. I don't like that. And that's pick a much. plus plus twenty two thirty six. So yeah, you'll <laughs> be way up if this comes through. Done. All right. Let's, <laughs> those are going to be our picks. I, I wouldn't re- strongly recommend people tail them, but uh, no, not this mine is, for This sure. is more for pos- for posterity's sake at the end of the year. Yeah, I, but, I'm I'm interested to see what uh, Gustafson, Nunez, and BJ Penn parlay pays yeah, pays no. pays fifty five to one. Yeah, I'd be curious, it but I I still think for fun I'll probably put like you know ten bucks on Gustafson and ten bucks on. 
you know, Nunez to see what happens, or put yeah. him in a parlay uh, for yeah. five bucks. Yeah, a parlay, a parlay make, for those two. Is, yeah, for is five like bucks, ten, it's ten to one. Yeah, not bad. Make they, they're both winnable fights. Yeah, for a couple bucks, it's fun to cheer for an underdog. Yeah, well, that's going to be a fun card. So, um, the prelims for UFC two thirty two are on TSN two. Pre show starts at seven o'clock p.m. Eastern. Prelims at eight p.m. Eastern. Um, I'll be on location providing content for TSN.ca slash UFC. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that very, very, very much. That's to me, like I said, I think that's the most competitive main and co-main event of the year. Oh, for sure. And it's just going to be a, a lot of fun. And do we know if Cyborg? Because this is she's saying this is her last fight too, right? Or is she just saying? I think that? she. I think it's. I think she has one or two left on her contract. If I'm okay. not mistaken. Yeah. All right. But what's left for Cyborg? Like, if Cyborg beats Nunes, like, and how old is what? Cyborg now? That's Do a good we know question. this? Let's look this up. Chris Cyborg is thirty-three. Okay, there's a lot of thirty-three-year-olds. And how old is Nunes? Nunes, I think, is like is thirty, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Nunes, thirty. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, thirty. Yeah. So uh, the reason why I've I've said that I like Nunes in this fight, or not that I like her, but I think that she has a really solid chance, is just the level of competition she's faced over the last couple of years com- compared to what Cyborg has fought is pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, Cyborg's best win in the last decade is Holly Holm, probably. Yeah. Yeah, just the size, man. Like, I mean, I, I don't think the, the the little clips of Nunez that I saw, she didn't look great in shape, you know? Like, I feel like she was over-bulking, and that scares me a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? I think she's focusing too much on weight gain, which could be an issue. You know, so yeah, she, I don't she know. is We're, big. She's looking big. She's looking really. But she used to fight at featherweight. Like if you look at her featherweight resume, she uh, she beat Julia Budd, who's one of the top in the sport uh, right now. She's the Bellator champion. I mean, she's beaten Jermaine Durand, and that's at one thirty-five. But also uh, Vanessa Porto, who's who has a good resume. Eddie Ann Gomez, who has a good resume. Like Porto, if you look at her right now, she's twenty and eight. She's like winning winning fights in in Invicta. Um, Although she's fighting at flyweight now, so she was probably under very undersized in that fight. But you look at Eddie Ann Gomez, and she's fighting, I think, still at uh I don't I can't remember if she's fighting at, at Featherweight as well. But either way, she's like an eleven and four fighter. So like Nunes has a solid resume at the at the weight class for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I only think it's the size issue that's gonna be the difference, but and I think the ability to wrestle too, right? Like how would you beat Cyborg? You have to kind of pin her against the cage. Kind of hold her there. Try to force takedowns if yeah, you can. Yeah, but this is again. This is a situation where Nunes is still a really good striker. Like yeah. Nunes can really take this fight anywhere and have a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the. I think the difference the would be power. Is still very underrated. Like I don't think people understand how much jujitsu she does. But it's more of gassing the muscles, you know, not really getting the takedown or looking for the submission. I think you got to really play the five rounds with her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. don't try to go out there and finish her in the first round. She's too big, too strong. You got to wear her down, try to slow the, some some power out, and then three, four, five. You got to pick it up. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's how I would approach it, anyways. Yeah, I think you do a little bit of clinch work. You try yeah, to get her to the you ground. Try to grind it a little yeah. bit. You know, don't overexhaust. Try to let her pummel and and mix between you know clinch and striking. Try to tire out her her punching power. I will say, Conan Silvera, her coach, has done a really good job with her. I, I thought again, I, I say this to people, and people think I'm crazy. 
Watch the Shevchenko fight, the one in Edmonton, with no commentary. Because the commentary made it seem like Shevchenko was really in it. Yeah, yeah. But if you watch it with no commentary, I was the in the sideboard. back watching it with no commentary. And I gave, I, gave it, uh, I gave Nunes four rounds to one against Shevchenko. Like, I thought it was pretty, yeah, yeah. a pretty clear blowout. Hmm. But a lot of people gave the fight to Shevchenko. Because if you watch the commentary, and I watched it after the fact, it was very Shevchenko very biased. biased. Yeah. 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 It, it happens. Yeah. But, well, because uh, people... And I don't blame them. Like, if you're a commentator and you think that somebody is, like, a pretty dominant champion and someone's having success against them, you really play it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard. It, it, I mean, I always have to defend the commentator sometime because it's, like, it's what you. I do. But, I mean, it, it's it's hard. I Like, I'm just going to say it's one of the most difficult things sometimes is, like, I've watched fights back and been, like, I didn't watch that live. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I feel when someone asked me the other day, I had like this whole reflection on on judging, and I was talking to Glory's top referee about, uh, you know, what happens if we put referees outside in a different room watching the TV thing, yeah. and I always thought it was like, but he was like, it's different. And then I, I look back and I thought about fights that I've watched live and been like, oh, that person won. Then I rewatched them like, no, the other person won. So I mean. Being live, I think, gives you a different feeling, the I, sound I like, of things. I like the idea of it being in a, a soundproof room with, on, yeah. a, on a monitor with no commentary. Yeah. But I think sound is an indicator of damage sometimes. No, it's not. It's an indicator of who they like. But like, if, if we're fighting and you hit me and I hear, but every time I hit you, you're hearing like hard smacks where you're hurting. And it's, I feel maybe live gives you that real no, feeling. But, but let's say you're in Brazil. And I'm Brazilian, and then the crowd, and you're American, and the, the cheering, and, and I hit you. The crowd goes crazy. Yeah. If you hit me, you you still hear those noises. But it's also a loud crowd, just yeah, a loud yeah. atmosphere to begin with. Yeah, I think I that know. in a lot of these places where you call glory, the the crowd's pretty quiet during the fights. Yeah, it's like it's a respect thing. Kickboxing, kickboxing has always it's been a different like that. crowd yeah. Yeah. than MMA. MMA, you got some pretty rowdy locales yeah. where people will cheer more for a fighter that they want to see win. Yeah, yeah, I guess I don't know. That's why it's, I like the soundproof. Was it, it open scoring sense. for Glory? Was yeah, we do open scoring, which I love. Is it for everything? It's always open yeah, scoring? Yeah, it goes into the arena. Now we're doing most of our fights open scoring. Yeah, it I love it. To be. I love it as a commentator. It's great for kickboxing because then you've got to go out in the third round yeah. and turn down. And you gotta... See, I like it. A lot of fighters and a lot of people who watch it don't like it because they feel it ruins the suspension yeah. aspect of it, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. The suspense is everything, right? You want to sit there and who wins. and But for me, it's like... Let me do my job calling the commentary, not have to worry about being a judge because commentary and judging are two different things. Like it's hard to when I'm saying say I'm talking about you fighting. I look down at a few times to look at some points or quickly reference an old fight that I have noted. But at that time, three, four, five things could have happened in that time, which I don't see. So to ask me to judge sometimes, I always don't think it's a fair you know, assessment. I'm like, well, that's why, I, you know, I'm always saying in my opinion, you know, I don't want to say this is how it is because I. I might have missed a lot, and I want to. I don't want to say, and you know, just like I don't want to, you know, skew the the listeners to one guy over the other. But I'm forced to in my job, and I hate it. So that's why open scoring is great. I think. Why is there a website that has like a registry of people's kickboxing records? I've noticed that know. kickboxing records are like no, a big don't. secret for some people. Like, and it's different and some people anywhere like 70 you go. Seventy and three, and they're beating like. People I just at, think it's yeah. it's stupid in kickboxing to have anyways. Why, I mean, I just because record? records are all made up. And, and and depending on where you go, it's it's different rules. And, and yeah. that's like the one thing MMA has is that the records can't really be fabricated. Yeah, like in a pro fight, it's a pro fight, yeah. you know, and then it goes on your record. But in Europe, for example, you have C, B, and A class fights, 
And sometimes a 20-year-old kid's coming in with 90 fights. And it's like, are they C, B, or A class? You know, you don't know. Like, how is it that you have 200, I have five? You know, yeah, like, you're at what yeah. level? You yeah. know, like, that's what you don't know. So when I see someone like, oh, 69 wins, 12 losses, and I'm just like, are they C, are they A? I don't know. You don't really know, so it's really hard to get accurate kickboxing records. Yeah, like I could probably get like a hundred and one kickboxing. You can do whatever record. you want. Yeah, if I fought, say if whatever I fought you like, want. Uh, like people that were way smaller than me. See, a lot of times, yeah. like think about it, like there aren't that many people way smaller. <laughs> by the way, but, <laughs> but yeah. if I'm going to fight somewhere and my record, for example, um, you know, say for um, I signed into a, a New York promotion and the New York promotion wanted me, I had no pro fights. So sometimes you have to say, well, I'm eleven and zero. I right. just use my amateur record as my pro record to say that I'm 11 and 0. Give me the big fights, you know. So sometimes you have to lie these records. What's bad in kickboxing, which has happened a lot on the amateur scene here, and especially in Toronto, which drives me nuts, is um, not actually saying how many real fights you have. So some kids you'll find have you know 20 demo fights plus 10 amateurs. 15 boxing, and maybe one or two kickboxing. So then they'll go on their record and say he's 2 yeah. and 1 in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, let's talk about the, all the other stuff you have. So there's a lot of hiding real records in amateur. Oh, so, so, some people, so some people are actually better than it would Yeah, indicate, yeah. So okay, then they fight less experienced guys and, and you're winning. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. yeah, padding the record is the word I was looking for. And it, it drives me nuts because as an amateur is about safety. You know, it's like, Why? Now this person has the potential to get hurt more. If it's professional, it's different. We're both signed up. We're both getting paid. But you can't do that as amateurs. It's not right. How does Glory scout people? Um, we have um, we have a European talent ops team, and we have a North American talent ops team. Um, and the guy who does it, Stephen Wright's really good. I mean, he's he's on it. He yeah, does. you don't see a lot of people that don't belong in Glory. Like the fights are always. Pretty competitive. Yeah. It's just hard to, like, keep consistency with the roster, right? We want, for example, kickboxers. It's not like uh, MMA, where MMA fighters two times a year, three times a year, you know, max, you know, unless you're one of the crazy, you know, exceptions. But in kickboxing, guys were used to fighting 12 times a year. You know, once a month is nothing for a kickboxer. Me, I always took the North American approach because I couldn't fight more than three times a year. There's Mm -hmm. just, there wasn't anything for me. But in Europe, they're fighting anywhere from you know 10 to 15 times a year so and they're used to fighting with that consistency so that kind of helps you know a lot for these guys who's the best undefeated kickboxer right now like are there any uh, is it like mma where it's hard to be undefeated uh we had the stats the other day with glory and they were saying how i think of only 13 fighters have ever come into glory undefeated oh really that's yeah something small i want to say it was 13 and of the 13 like four of them remained undefeated after their first fight and like none after their second glory fight. So the problem is a lot of North Americans come in. I think there's only one undefeated fighter right now, but he hasn't fought the top of the division. So it's kind of like if you're in North America and you're just dominating the scene and you're 11 and 0, 10 and 0, but then all of a sudden you're fighting a kickboxer like I said who just fought 15 times that year. So you might win one you might lose one out of the 15 or so it's it's a lot different. It's really hard to keep an undefeated record. Well, we had some pretty big news in the kickboxing realm in terms of its relation to UFC yep, and, and MMA. As Robin Van Roosmalen is looking yep. to, to transition full time to MMA, he's two division champion in glory. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Robin. Like, what, what do you think Robin's going to be able to bring to the table? Because when you see heavier weight class guys go from kickboxing to MMA, it's a little bit easier because there's not as much grappling. But if he's coming over at featherweight or lightweight, yeah. it's going to be a pretty grappling-heavy um, situation that he's going to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I, I can see a lot of positives, um, and I'll start with those because it's like, 
he has that wrestler's frame. When you look at a kickboxer, and you, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you look at the ideal kickboxer, you know, I mean, exceptions, obviously, but if I were to design a kickboxer, they would be tall, they would be long, they would have not overly muscular because you want to have that snap, that power, more like a, a receiver type. But when you talk about building a wrestler, you want short, low center of gravity, wide shoulders, you know, low hips to the ground. You've got that. And kind Robin of has that. Yeah. I think I'm more of I'm in between. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can do in between. When I was fighting, I wasn't as muscular. Now I, I stayed leaner, I stayed longer, I stayed more tall and slim. But if I were to do MMA, you gotta build the legs, build your glutes, your back's gotta be strong. So those are all things that, you know, Robin has He's really got the big well. calves, yeah. Yeah, like so he has the frame to do amazing. I think just with him it's the repetition of the drills. As much as he's repped all the head-to-head style, his boxing, his low kicks, he's got to put the time in. And that's what scares me because he's rushed now. You know, it's like, Yeah, they've got that press go. release out. You know what I yeah. mean? Now it's like so what where he needs the time drilling, cage work, cage defense. So that's where I don't – I hope he's been – like he's smart, obviously, in, in his career. So I just hope he's done that work. You know, before he jumps in, and I hope whoever signs him should do the right thing and not just throw him again against you know top wrestlers. They got to mm-hmm. build him. Yeah. I and would I not hope be whatever if he's organization on the series. Like if, if the contender series would be a good place for him yeah. to start. See, I like that, but I don't after well, we because him, the because he's so de- <laughs> he's still developing, and then all of a sudden you give him the one shot early, and his his wrestling could be one of the best eventually, but right now it's not going to be there. So if you give him the one shot and then write him off after, I'd like to see him get a few. You build it up, get more comfortable, and then take that Dana White shot or or something. But but the other thing with 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 Robin now that he just has to be a little bit more aware of is the what made him so great in kickboxing was pressure. He was able to close you down, keep you against the ropes, and just better than anyone beat the crap out of you. His his pressure, his body work, his headshots. But with MMA now with the takedown, he's going to have to use a more of a mobility approach in his footwork. So I think that's the the number one thing. Is he going to have to move more because he can't pressure as as he did with kickboxing. So well, that'll be he has a, big... a judo background. I didn't realize that. I'm looking yeah, at I his... heard about yeah. that too. I mean, I'm telling you, if he grabs you and he really works on, you know, some good cage work and wrestling and takedowns, I think he can be a huge threat. Mm-hmm. And the power he has in, in hitting someone with a four ounce MMA glove, ooh, that's scary. And if he can bring his low kicks in, which are which are damaging as well. And he's training with the best, you know. He's he's training with a lot of good killers with with Michael Johnson, Chandler, you know, yeah, Usman. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. he's at the Hard Knocks three six five there. So good team. He's out in Miami right now. So I mean, I'm excited to see it. Obviously, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Um, because we haven't really seen any kickboxers in the light in the lower weight Man. classes make the transition. But true kickboxers, yeah, like true we kickboxers. saw. Okay, Adesanya. Adesanya is more of like a, the style bender. His mm-hmm. name, yeah. where he fights long, he evades. He's not the in-your-face style kickboxer like I was or Van Roosmal and Nikki Holtzkin. Like those were more like true style, come forward, stay in the pocket, exchange style fighters. But Adesanya was a movement fighter. Like look at Saki. Saki's gonna have a little bit more problems because he was that I stood in your face and attack. When he fought Daniel Gita, he wasn't moving. He was standing there throwing bombs where you can't do that anymore in the UFC. you got to change your stance and your distance. So, I mean, I think it was easier for Adesanya. It'll just be a little bit more time to develop for someone uh, like Van The good thing about the UFC, though, is because they have such a big roster, you can put him in fights that are that he's tailored to win. Yeah. I mean, you... you 
I think right away, I, I don't think he should even wait. I think with this the status that Van Roosmalen has, I think right away you sh- he's a name where you should build in the UFC. I don't think he should have to try out for the UFC. Like it means like, oh, you have to let me see how you do here. Van Roosman is the type of fighter. If you put him in against a guy who he knows is a striker, that's right away. Put him on a fight pass. Put him on a card right away. I don't think Van Roosman needs a contender series fight or he's going to fight. He's going to bring it. And the question is, can he be taken down or not? He's used to big fights. He's fought in front of 15,000 people before. It's nothing new to him. I think you put him in right away. I don't think he needs a, a trial. I think to have a big, high-profile athlete, like you're talking about this Hardy guy, you're talking about CM Punk, we have a real two-division mm-hmm. kickboxing yes. champ. He deserves. A, he doesn't need to try out, in my mind. What division do you think he should fight in? I, I believe he's a, with, he has to go to 145, I think. I think so. I think 155, even with kickboxing, and you got to think like he's a little bit shorter. He's not that tall frame. I think the 155s might be big. And in history, when kickboxers tend to go to MMA, they always like to drop a little bit. But the problem is he had issues making weight out. You know, 145. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he twice stripped of the title. Yeah, two times. Mm-hmm. You know, against uh, Matt Embry and Canadians. against Pet Panroon. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. That's the issue, but I think for MMA, the the 145ers might be the the division for him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it could go either way. I think you might he might be a little small at lightweight, and if he's too, too small at lightweight, people will be able to take him down easier. Yeah, that, so, right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if he's able to get back, you know, do do featherweight, he'll be able to weigh in at 146. He's not the champion. Yeah. An extra pound matters. Yeah, and. Uh, I think that there's a lot of guys that you could put him up against that he could have some success against. Yeah, I agree. And I, like I said, he he deserves a shot right away. I don't think he needs to try out in any way. But um, I hopefully I hope the UFC is his direction too, and not necessarily Bellator. Yeah. Because I mean, Bellator kind of. Well, Bellator could give him fights they could easily win. Like, he yeah. But the problem is guys. with Bellator, they try to like tease these kickboxers like we can do both of the sports, you know, where right. it's more yeah. of like. Man, if you've committed to MMA, commit to MMA. Is Bellator kickboxing still a thing? It is, but it's it's not. When was the last I event they did? They had one like a couple weeks ago in Italy, in oh, in, God, uh, in Rome. Raymond Daniels fought. Oh, really? Canadian okay. Gabe well, Varga fair fought. <laughs> you know, you don't know. They just put these American and Canadian guys against guys you've never heard of. Hmm. Like the guy who fought, right, I think Raymond Daniels was the last minute. No one's ever heard of him. You know, the guy who uh, gave Owns Varga a flower beat. shop in Italy, I heard. Yeah, probably. No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe. I don't who knows. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're going to fight kickboxing, you got to be with glory. And I'm not I'm not saying that if I was a kickboxer and I was a free agent, I'm obviously going to go to glory. You know, mm-hmm. we have the best fighters, the, the people. So, And if you're going to commit to MMA, you got to commit to MMA. Like, I mean, you got you can give the example of someone like Joe Schilling, who's been playing around the two of them, right, yeah. and he was never successful. Did you see his last fight? Brutal beatings. Oh. <laughs> like, I mean, now he's... That should not have been allowed to continue. No, that was I, like a 10-7 first beating. round. But what it is, that's the type of development that kickboxers need. We, it's a new sport to us still. You know, so instead of him, like you, they threw Schilling against the top of the division right away. They Melvin Manhoff, he ended up knocking him out. Then he fought who's a Calvillo, who ended Carvalho, up being the yeah, yeah who ended, ended up, up being, being the champ. Yeah, almost beat Leota Machida. You know what I mean? Weekend, yeah. you, he had another tough uh, wrestling guy, and you got to give him guys he can build, build his confidence, and that's how you got to do with Van Roosmalen. But do it 
right away. And then he fought see. that guy that beat him in kickboxing afterwards. <laughs> yeah, Kito or yeah, yeah, Sato knocked him out yeah. twice. Yeah. I think. yeah, in MMA and in kickboxing. Yeah. But now he's full time MMA. He's not even thinking about kickboxing, and that's the type but of I think fight that's what you Robin's can do doing now. too. I think that's why yeah. they put that press release out. Robin's done with kickboxing. He's done. Let him do it. MMA. Pure and, focus. Yeah. Wrestle every day. And it looks like Pereira wants to do the same thing. Wrestle every day. Pereira wants Adesanya yeah. on his social media because Adesanya beat him. To, uh, sorry. Pereira beat Adesanya yeah, like twice in kickboxing. Yeah. I think twice it happened in kickboxing. One via knockout, and I think one via decision. Close fights. You, you never really blow Adesanya out of the water, but he's using that now. He's like, oh, sign me to the UFC. I beat him twice. It's a good storyline. and I mean, yeah. he is chasing the money, and being from Brazil, there's not too much money to be made. You know, unless you're a big name in the UFC. So. Yeah, but I mean, the thing about Adesanya is he was like what 12 and 0 or something when he came to the UFC. Like he he had fought like he'd beaten guys that were mixed martial artists. Yeah, I think his last one was Melvin Goulart. Yeah, beaten, well, Melvin Goulart like it was blowing up Melvin Goulart. Yeah, but I mean, still, Melvin it's a was name. At 155. Yeah, it was a name. It was a that name, worked, and he beat him. Yeah, and he beat him. You know, um, but yeah. So I mean, I just I like and I don't like. The fact that we see these guys going, and I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have mixed feelings because obviously I loved calling Robin's fights, and I, I, I thought he was amazing, a, a kickboxer. But I mean, there's a time where I think it's the right move, and if you follow his career, I probably know his career better than anybody. But uh, what happens at the top of both the divisions he's in are southpaw Muay Thai fighters, mm-hmm. and that's the issue and the style that has given him problems, controversial fights. He fought Sitichai, who's the pound-for-pound pound probably best lightweight champion Glory has had, and he fought him three times. Yeah, you know. And at this point, he's like he's bored of that fight. Then he goes down to to featherweight. He wins. Now he fights this young Thai kid, Pet Penmaro, yeah. Kiat Mukau. Yeah. And now he's already he beat, fought he him, him twice, him yeah, one yeah, and yeah. one. So now it's like five of his fights and title fights have been South Paul Muay Thai fight. So it's not fun anymore, you know, for someone who's been in the in the game for so long. So I definitely agree, you know, with his move as a martial artist to wanna to do it. As a, an employee of glory, obviously I'm not happy <laughs> about it. Well, that makes sense. Well, uh, with that, we're going to speak to Robin right now. Uh, he joins us now on the TSN MMA show to discuss his move to mixed martial arts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. He is a two-division glory kickboxing champion of both featherweight and lightweight, and he's decided to switch gears and go to the world of mixed martial arts. He is Robin Van Roosmalen, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. How are you, Robin? I'm good, thank you. Just uh, finished sparring, so feeling good. Who are you sparring with? I'm sparring a lot with uh, Michael Johnson, Michael Chandler, Gilbert Durillo, guys like that, all top-level guys, Nick Lance. Well, that can't hurt. Those are pretty big names. Yeah, I have pretty big names. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to work hard to see with them. <laughs> so you're diving headfirst into the world of mixed martial arts. In terms of where you want to go, do you have a preference of UFC, Bellator? I'm sure everybody is looking to uh, to sign you. Um, is it UFC or bust for you, or are you open to ideas? I'm open for ideas, but of course, like I'm, uh, I always want to be uh, the best at the biggest organization. So uh, for me, uh, the UFC is the biggest right now. So. Uh, my preference goes goes to goes to the UFC, but if another uh, nice organization has a good offer for me, I'll take it too. Have Have you received any calls yet in terms of a, an offer? Maybe Dana White Contender Series uh, having any sort of interest? I know that's starting in May. What's your timeline like? Uh, I don't really have a timeline. I just signed with the uh, Paradigm Sports. I uh, this a great team, so I let them arrange everything, and uh, they let me know what's up. I just make sure I'm ready. When would you like to get in there? 
excuse me? When would you like to get in there for your first mixed martial arts fight? Or your first, I mean, you're, you're 2-0 already, but I mean, you're, you're first now that you're, you're starting to do this as a full-time thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think I want to go around March, April. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's soon. Um, you're making a transition, of course, over from kickboxing. It's all stand-up, and now you're, you're having to do grappling. You mentioned you're training with Gilbert Burns. Like, we're talking about elite grapplers here. Uh, are you getting humbled regularly? Is this the sort of thing where you're learning a lot um, from having to be put into uncomfortable positions? Uh, yes, of course, uh, it's, it's because it's, uh, it's what they, they have done, like I do kickboxing, so of course uh, it's humbling. <laughs> it's only position I never heard of, never been in. So. <laughs> but it's nice, you know, I, I learn a lot from them. They, like I teach them a little bit stand-up, they teach me a little bit ground, so it's going back and forth, you know. If if, if it's wrestling, they, they will rest, of course. But I think, you know, I just like to learn, and uh, if it's stand-up, I take them back. In terms of uh, your training, what percentage of it is grappling right now? Um, you know, of course, stand up is not to lose. It's, of course, it's my it's, it's, it's my thing I've been doing my whole life. So I I want to uh, stay that sharp because I'm not going to be a wrestler like Michael Stanley, who's been doing this since since high school. So I just want to be like I want my takedown uh, defense be on point. I know what to do when I'm on the ground. My grappling has to be nice. So. But my, my, my stance is going to be like my strongest point. So I want to keep that. But right now it's like it's like 60% is grappling, wrestling, and 40% stand-up. Yeah, because I, I imagine once you get into the UFC, whether you're doing featherweight or lightweight, you're going to be the best striker in the division based on your just your history. So sprawling, you yeah. know, you're sprawling, your, your takedown defense, I imagine, is going to be a big point of emphasis. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think nobody going to be trying to stand with stand and bang with me but and like I said I think they will be surprised I, I don't, I'm like grappling and wrestling is not right now but I've been doing this for five years I'm coming back and forth to Florida for five years so it's not that I'm just starting to grapple and wrestling absolutely yeah so that, that was so going to be my next question you've been there for five years so you've, you've moved over yeah. from the Netherlands you've been at uh, Hard Knocks 365 yeah. uh, training with some you yeah. know some of the best guys in the sport um, and, and you've been doing grappling yeah. for that amount of time yeah, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for five years now, back and forth. I just never had the opportunity to, to go to full-time MMA. And I just had something in kickboxing I still wanted to achieve. But I achieved now everything in kickboxing. I've been the first and only two-division champ. So it's all good for me now. So it's now it's time to take over MMA. So when you move over to MMA, is there a certain weight class you're looking at? Are you looking at featherweight or are you looking at that lightweight? No, I think I'm. I think I'm going for the featherweight. I think especially with how, how much them guys go weight and the wrestling background and things. I think the lightweights are too too big for me right now. Yeah, I we think they're too strong, too big. So I think this is going to be featherweight. And my co-host for the show was uh, Joe Valtellini. Uh, he's not here right now, but he was saying that uh, featherweight was probably your best your best option because of that reason. Yeah, yeah, and Glory was 143, so I'm amazed 143. Big yeah, that's a world of difference. Yeah, that's three pounds. That's a lot. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, is yeah. is there anybody? Bye -bye. Is, is there anybody when you look at the UFC roster that you think you'd be a good matchup with? I think I'm not. I'm, I'm not the guy who's going to want that guy. That guy. I think they're in the UFC there for a reason. So I like them all. You know, the UFC right now in the fairways, so a lot of stand-up guys. 
who want to fight. So uh, I'll take anybody. Well, that's good to hear because uh, the featherweight division is loaded right now. Uh, I imagine you're probably yeah. you're probably going to want to start with some of the lower level guys to work your way up. Is is that kind of? I, I mean, if they offered you like Jose Aldo, that's probably you know not not uh, a starting point for you right now. You're probably looking to start a little bit lower and work your way up. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I I understand if I have to build my way up, but if they offer me that, I'll take it. No problem about it. You know, I'm, I, I, I like a little challenge, so I'm, if, if they offer me, I'll be excited to do it. I will fight anybody, anybody, doesn't matter who. If they offer me last time, last week I was in Toronto, and uh, Brian Ortega would, would drop out, <laughs> I, I, will, I will step in to fight Max all the way too, so yeah. <laughs> no, that would be that would have been cool to watch. I mean, Max is a stand-up fighter. Yeah, for sure, that's why, you know, and that's what I said, you know, the UFC, they're all good fighters, all good stand-up, so... For me, it doesn't matter if they give me a top ten or just a lower guy. No, I, I'll make make sure I build my way up to the top ten. So, when when you do fight, um, how involved is your father right now in your camp? Is he going to be in your corner? Um, yeah, of course he got his own work at home. He's he's working in construction and he's still and he's got his own gym. So, and I'm moving in January. I'm moving to Fort Lauderdale. So. Uh, I think I'm, I'm making come to my fight, but I'm going to do my preparation all, all here. So. so he's going to be still in the corner, but not in my preparation. Your dad is kind of a legend. I mean, he, a little, he beat one of the Klitschko's. Yeah, he beat one of the Klitschko's in the keyboard. Like, yeah, and he's been there since my, my the beginning of my career. He's always been in my corner. It's, it's a little different now, but sometimes uh, so those things happen. He got, he got his thing. I got my thing now. So it's all good. I make sure he's he's there when I fight. So he's really in my corner. So it's all good. Who are you training with the most uh, at Hard Knocks? Are there, are there training partners that you're working with more than others? Um, yeah, right now I, I'm right now with uh, Sean Soriano. He's been my friend since since day one, since the day one I came in. You know, so uh, he, he, I've been working a lot on his stand up. He did a kickboxing fight. He made me. He told me to do MMA, so started there. So that's why. And yeah, he's, he's been helping me a lot with the right wrestling background. Is good. His grappling is really good. So he, he, I, I teach him a little kickboxing. He teaches me grappling. But right now I'm working also a lot with Nick Lance. We do also the back and forth. I teach him kickboxing. He does with me MMA grappling. What is really good with him. So yeah, we make. I, but as we train with everybody, everybody trains with everybody. We got no egos at the gym. So everybody trying to help each other. Every in camp or out of camp, it depends. Did you say you were training with Michael Chandler today? Uh, no, Michael Chandler not today. No, no. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, the guy just fought on the weekend. The guy doesn't want to take a little time off? <laughs> oh, no, he's still in Hawaii. He's enjoying himself. He earned it. He had an off <laughs> camp, so. But, uh, so. but when he's here, he's here to work. So, no, no, right now, right now not. Yeah, that, that was a good fight over the weekend, uh, him and, uh, and Brent Primus. And I guess what he was saying about Brent was right all along. What did you say? I didn't hear the last part. His fight with Brent, with Brent Primus was very good. So, I, I, you know, all the things he was saying about Brent leading up to this fight proved to be true. Yeah. Yeah, he did really good. He, he fought a small fight. Uh, yeah, he controlled. I think he dominated that fight completely. So, he, I, I did a great job. I'm happy for him. He finally got his belt back who, who already was his. That's what I believe. I think Brent Primus is a good fighter, but the way he won that belt, no. That's not how you want to win a belt. 
what's been the most humbling moment for you in the gym? Now that you've made, you're making the transition to MMA, you're doing all kinds of different uh, uh, grappling training. Has there been a certain moment where you're like, wow, this is, uh, <laughs> this, this is not fun? Just a straight wrestling. That's the, uh, when we go live in wrestling, sometimes I'm like, wow, why am I doing this? Why just keep kickboxing? Because, of course, you got Greg Jones. He's a legend in the wrestling, and he has training sometimes. I'm like, Greg, how you do it? <laughs> but uh, it's a good experience. I like it. You know, it makes you mental, mentally strong. But, I, yeah, it's so different. Like I told you, like, uh, the, the guys who've been wrestling here, they've been doing this since, since they were, like, little. Like, I did kickboxing. So I'll never catch up with them, but I can try it, so. It's, it's it's also a challenge for me, but sometimes I'm, I just want to sort of tell them things like, uh, never mind. And what about like a moment of victory for you in terms of grappling? Like, tell me a moment where you were really proud of something that you did in the gym in terms of grappling. Uh, it was like two, three years ago when we did MMA sparring. And I did a round with Abel Trujillo. And he shot it like 10 times on me. And I stopped them all. And after that round, I felt so good. I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> that was it. That was the moment where you were like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, that was really the moment. And even that was the moment I felt like, yep, now it's time to, to get further with this. Because now it's all good. Now all the work has paid off. Now it's time to grow. Yeah, and now, you know, now I'm, I'm taking people down too. So it's all good. So we've we're evolving, you know, getting better every day. Well, that's good. I mean, a lot of people I don't think knew that you, you've been there for five years. You've really been working at this. Uh, now you're making it your, your full-time job as a mixed martial artist, and we really look forward to seeing uh, seeing your progression and hopefully seeing you, you in the UFC sometime in 2019. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I'm going to make hard for us, so, but I think it's going to work out good. Thank you. All right, Robin. I appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and Happy New Year to, uh, to you, Thank and you. Happy Holidays to you and your family. Thank you. You too. Have a good day. That was Robin Van Roosmalen talking about his foray into mixed martial arts. And if anybody can uh, make a difference in a lighter weight class, probably him. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I mean, we saw a lot of good things with Adesanya making the transition. I think we're going to see good things from Van Roosmalen. Absolutely. Well, Joe, it's been a fun year. Um, we've got uh, more of this show coming up next year. We're excited about uh, breaking yeah. down what happened at UFC 232 when we return. When, when are you leaving for glory next? Not until February, Yeah, right? we have our next one in Houston. So, I mean, that's February 1st. So I get to be at home for more than a week, there which you go. is exciting. What's so your now, plans for the holidays? Um, catching up with family, catching up with friends, and a lot of training. And I mean, I, How are you going to stop yourself from eating all the uh, wonderful uh, desserts and pastries? Intermittent the fasting. That's the key. I'm going to not eat anything. And then when I go to mom's <laughs> and when Nonna's cooking all of her treats, Gorge. I'm going to eat it all. <laughs> and then I fast again. But I... I for me, holidays, like working out is my life. So, mm-hmm. I mean, training and developing. Like, I trained twice yesterday. I'm going to be training twice today. I train twice every day. Yeah. I've been doing intermittent fasting, too. Yeah? Yeah, I, uh, I only eat for, like, um, about 17 hours of the day. And then for seven hours, you don't eat. I don't eat when only I'm yeah, when you're sleeping. Yeah, it's intermittent That's fasting. It. Yeah, well, look at you though; you can use it. It's been great, you know. But I'm really hungry when I wake up in the morning, though. Yeah, that's it. Need my breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you should try it though. I mean, I the older you it, get, like said, it's good for aging. You know, you're not the spring chicken anymore. Is this eh? real we science though? Out. That's what they say. They say you know, who they? 
Well, I'm doctor. Is Dr. That Joe Rogan? I can give you a million <laughs> Dr. doctors. <Brendan> <laughs> um, no, the doctor that I really listen to the most, it's um, Jason Fung, GSP's doctor. He has a textbook on it, on the guide to intermittent fasting. And I read his textbook and a few others. But uh, the old thing is your your cell with energy, right? It's If you have all these bad, weak cells and you keep feeding it, it'll get energy to stay alive. But if you deprive it from all of these, you know, from food and energy, what happens is they're eventually going to die. I think the the word is apoptosis, um, cellular death. So if it doesn't have the energy to lie, those weak dead cells will die. And then it forces your other cells to get stronger and make new ones. So do you just get used to it? Like, because I hate not. Oh, you get used to it eventually. Like, I mean, the first, if I haven't intermittent fasted in a while, but I will be hungry, you know, after 12 hours because my body's trained to eating. But once I'm on a regular intermittent fast schedule, I feel my best. What's, what are your hours loss? where you're not eating? I change it up. Depends if I have water? a huge... Yeah, just water okay. and black coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, even with me, though, in my coffee, because I, I mix around with like keto stuff, yeah. I'll have cream in my coffee, mm-hmm. a little bit of cream, a little bit of coconut oil, MCT. Is, but, um, it's like bulletproof. Yeah, sort so, of, yeah. yeah. As long no as it's butter. fat-based. Yeah. And then, but it's tricky. I don't recommend it for everyone. You have to know your research on it and stuff. But for me, it's more of a lifestyle thing. It's not, I don't, I'm not doing it for apoptosis and cellular death and aging. I feel better. I mean, my body feels better. My joint feels better. My head feels better. Keeps my weight down. And I've cut weight for so many freaking years. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I want to eat is five crappy meals a day. I don't want to sit here and have a little piece of lettuce with dry chicken. And then I don't want to eat steamed broccoli Mm -hmm. and a half a sweet potato. I'm going to eat one or two meals a day. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to eat lots of fats. I'm going to eat lots of good nutrition and energy. And then I'm going to be satisfied. And then I won't eat for 18 hours, but then I'm going to eat well again. I'd rather have that feel like a cheat meal daily than five little crappy, tasteless meals. 18 hours. Wow. That's nothing. What I've are done, the hours I've, where you're you're not eating? It depends. It depends. I I, I don't. I'm not really structured that way. Like for okay. example, I had breakfast today. I'll go train. I'll eat probably, and then I have to teach and coach tonight, and then I won't eat after the second meal, and then I won't eat again for breakfast. So whether mm-hmm. it's 16 hours, 17, 18, doesn't matter at this point. All right. Well, there so, you go. That's your New Year's resolution. You if you're listening to the last show of the year, is to try intermittent fasting. There we go. Dr. Joe Valtellini. That's it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, trying. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, next week, we will have, uh, it might be next week, might be later this week, we're going to do a year-end uh, roundtable with some uh, MMA journalists who are coming over here and uh, are being very generous with, with their time because it's going to be a, a long show where we talk about all the different uh, major storylines of the year. What was your favorite uh, thing in MMA this year, Joe? That's a tough question to end me with. You throw me off yeah, guard here. Um, question. What was my favorite moment this year when it came to UFC? Huh. Let me hear yours first. This way oh, I can God, think. Now you're putting me yeah, on the see, I see, Yeah, see. That was tough. like, it's a tough one. Um, I think Cormier becoming the double champ was pretty cool. Yeah. I Just think, to see how happy he was after that. He's yeah. a good dude. It was nice to see. Nice to see him able, being able to, to kind of live that dream right at the end of his career, like late in his career. Yeah. I don't know what my moment would be. Yeah, that is a nice moment. I think having, you know, seeing people have the ability to change between weight classes has been good. But the biggest moment of the year for me, man. I think my answer is kind of an obvious one. Like the double champ thing is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think more as, as a martial artist now, not as like a fan being like, mm-hmm. what changed in the sport that made it better? You know, hmm, it's tough. Yeah, I might have to decline. All right, well, think about it, and we'll yeah, talk you about have it to give it the new year. I have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's that's really a tough one, and I don't want to give uh, 
a baloney answer. I'd actually want to give a right answer on <laughs> All this right. one. We'll think it over over the holidays. Yeah, I will. You've got weeks to think about it, That's and then we'll, it. we'll touch, touch base in the new year. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, to the TSN MMA Show. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.